listeners, welcome back to the Kickball Change podcast. We are in studio today at the amazing Shared Universe podcast center here in the beautiful Garden State. And I'm just going to give a shout out to our amazing team of engineers here who have been supporting us and taking care of us through our podcast journey. Um, my name is Megan. I'm your host here with our fantastic Barbara. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so today we actually have expanded our panel of co-hosts and we are bringing in two high school uh, high school students as well as one of our college students. So our Kickball Change podcast, we're a grassroots program offering insight and inspiration to the young teens and adults who are looking to carve out a creative and performing arts path. And so here in studio with us, we have a high school junior, Gabby. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us, Gabby. We also have a high school sophomore, Grace. Hi, guys. <laughs> We have a going into her third year of college at Quinnipiac to be a physician's assistant, Casey. Hello. Who <laughs> is the greatest, great artist as well. Very talented performer. <laughs> yes, and um, Casey, I think you're really going to love our guest today. She has defined many odds against her, not only being a female entrepreneur, performer, professional in the modern and performing arts world, but she's also carved out her name by creating her own modern dance company, The Jay Chen Project. Fantastic work with The Jay Chen Project. So another defying odds that this amazing guest has is that she has survived, come back, and is still choreographing after brain surgery. So uh, Jessica, it's a pleasure to have you here. Jessica Chen in the house. Oh, yay. Hi, Jess. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here and seeing your lovely faces and meeting you all and, <laughs> and reconnecting with you, Megan. I know it's been some time. And, and Jess, I have to say, you've always been someone who uh, just embodies humility and graciousness. And that's something that really shines in your movement and the fluidity of your choreography. Um, you know, what what motivates you to choreograph? And I know these girls are just chomping at the bit to ask some questions, so I'm going to keep mine very limited here. But what what's your main inspiration, if you will, to be a choreographer, especially in the day we're living in these days? Yeah, um, I mean, great question. I I have danced all my life. Um, I you know started dancing when I was. A, a, seven years old and I started dancing at my Chinese school. And so every Saturday being born and raised Asian American, Chinese American, you are destined to go to Chinese school on a Saturday. <laughs> so you have to go to school six days a week so that you can stay connected to your heritage and learn the language of your ancestors. Um, but as a child, it's a bummer. <laughs> so um, how long were your Saturdays? I mean, they were, you know, it's like from like 9 a.m. to noon, like 1230, you know, but then I couldn't have sleepovers on Fridays. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's all these things that like don't really matter now, but yeah. it matters then. <laughs> um, so it was three hours of academic training. And then one hour before the school started was like an um, elective class. And so my parents put me in Chinese folk dance. And so as a child, I was always really afraid to like, I was small, I was a very small child and very quiet child. Like you could just easily miss me. I probably scare people because they're like, oh my God, I didn't know you were there. <laughs> and so I was really shy and small. And so dance was a way for me to not only connect with my heritage and my ancestry, but to also take space. 
um, and to express myself and to be comfortable in my own skin. And so that was instilled in me when I was a very, at a very young age and it followed me throughout my life. So when I went to junior high and high school, again, it still gave me that voice. You know, I was still very shy and I transferred from a private school to a public school in junior high. And so I had no friends and everybody knew each other since they were like two years old. And so it was very much like fish out of water. And so I, when I when I joined the cheerleading team, that's when everybody even knew who I was. I was like, oh, where'd she come from? <laughs> and so in junior high and high school, when you're kind of defined to like, you're, you know, are you a jock? Are you a nerd? Are you this? Are you that? Like I was a dancer and I was, it was really, it was a, it was a way for me to stay grounded in who I was. Um, and then in college, when I was introduced to modern dance, the, it, it then became a way of storytelling and it became a way of expressing yourself through movement of, of communicating through dance and movement. And so when I moved to New York and I started creating, um, that's what motivates me is, is, is my personal experiences and how I can process them through dance and how I can share them through dance. Um, so the process of creating as well as the, the experience of performing is all part of, you know, healing past traumas, understanding current situations, um, paving a way for the future. Nice. So, and, and your background, you went to the University of California in Santa Barbara um, and your undergrad, you hold a BA in global studies. How does that yes. help support you? Um, in your choreographic journey and operating and running your dance company? Yeah, so most, a lot of my work um, and a lot of what I'm called to create is, is, is very much so around identity, you know, how we identify ourselves and how, the different experiences that identify us. And so being born Chinese American, Asian American, you know, with ancestry, going all the way back to China, but being born in the US, it's a very confusing thing as a child. Like, who am I? Where do I belong? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, identity is, is a thing that I have been um, diving into my whole life. And global studies, when I was in, in, in college and I stumbled into a global studies class, I was like, this is amazing. I get to learn about the world's history and how the world is interconnected um, through thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of years. And I myself am a product of globalization. And mm -hmm. so in a way to like help understand who I am, like how did I get here and how can I understand where I, I am right now? And so I was real. I loved the global studies major and my professors are incredible and really i just learned about the world and how the world is connected and so through that through that lens as an artist um i am constantly inspired you know by by so many different situations and i have a very global perspective that's really on, cool. on the world yeah yeah so it feeds into so much i'm always i'm like I'm like a, a detective. Like I want to like peel away and, and like reveal things like, what is that? Why is it like that? Yeah. And, and so global studies has definitely fueled that part in me and my creative process. And also um, not doing it 
with any intention, but I have had a lot of international dancers dance for my company. And I've actually sponsored three dancers um, who, are, who are foreign immigrant dancers to, 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 uh, to get their artist visas um, to be in the, in the United States. And so as a company, we are also a global company. That's really cool. That's, That's great. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, can I ask a question? Go for it. (laughs) Um, So when you, when you finished, when you graduated college and I mean, what do you do with a global degree? Like what, what is that job? Like Casey's going for, you know, um, physician's assistant and you know what that is immediately. It just says, but what do you do with that kind of degree? And what did you, why did you decide to go to New York and, and make your career in dance? I mean, I'm not saying that, you know what I'm saying, trying to say, like, what what made you say, oh, I don't want to do this, but I want to do that and bring that in with me or, you know, right. what path? Uh, yeah. So um, a, a couple of things in there. So it's so I, when I went to college, um, you know, I grew up with two Chinese parents. My mom is very, very artistic and very, you know, black sheep of the Chinese community. <laughs> but my dad is all, my, bad, my dad was an engineer. He was an aerospace engineer went to um, undergrad, went to, got his master's master's degree, got a job out, out, like right out the gate um, from his master's program, stayed at that company until he retired. Mm. So he's very much like, yep. you know, By the a, book. Yep. gets you to B, gets <laughs> you to C. Um, my mom, on the other hand, you know, tried out a bunch of different careers <laughs> in her life. So I grew up with like both ends of the spectrum. So so, but I kind of leaning more towards my dad's side. So actually going to college, I was thinking that I was going to stop dance. Um, I, I went into college as this econ major, business econ, and um, quickly, quickly got kind of bored of it. Or I don't know what the <laughs> word, I just, it just didn't feel like what I wanted to learn in that moment. And I found global studies because I really loved the subject. And so I kind of like went to the like, joined because of that, not not knowing what the next step was. A global studies major can really do anything. They can go into business, you know, and be like a, a global consultant if a company wants to expand um, internationally. They have an awareness and a sensibility of how to understand cultures, maybe what to look for and how to, I just, that, that sensibility of being open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then what I was actually going to do, because it was my father's dream for me to be a, a lawyer um, mm-hmm. ever since I was like 10 years old and like argued my way out of punishment for something <laughs> that I did. Um, he was like, she can be a lawyer. And so I was kind of down that path. And I, and I was actually just telling the story to um, a, a client of mine. And I took the LSATs my senior year and I was ready to like go to law school, but I wanted to be an international human rights lawyer, which mm. is probably not what my dad was expecting when he thought <laughs> I was a lawyer. I was like, yeah, I want to go and like work at the UN and fight for human rights and, and like in, and do all of that. Even as a senior in college, I started a student group, the International Human Rights um, Group, and we... Um, we're working with a nonprofit and stuff. So I was, even if I were to have been a lawyer, I would have worked in the nonprofit field or worked at the UN or something like that. Um, But I decided, so, you know, that was an option. So the global studies major kind of would would Mm -hmm. make sense, you know, as a law, international lawyer, human rights lawyer. 
but I decided that before I went to law school that I would that I would I would give myself a graduation gift and to dance for a year. Um, and it, and I wasn't really expecting to dance professionally. I just wanted to give myself that because I was aware at that point I. Um, because I thought I was going to stop dancing when I went to college, but I didn't. I found my way into the modern dance department, and I was obsessed. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was um, always at the at the dance department, and always taking as many classes as I want. So I knew that dance didn't leave me at that point. So I wanted to honor that part of me um, for a year. I gave myself a year, and that year has turned into 15 years. <laughs> I, I love that I'm you, you gifted school. yourself that. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a great thing because yeah. um, you did, like I know a lot of people that did that. They're like, before I get into the as they say, the real world nine to five job, (laughs) I'm just going to see if I can do this or just, you know, like I met a ski person on a a slope one time. He was a ski instructor and he said, yeah, I took a year off before I start my real job. Um, And then, but he never went back to a real job. (laughs) Like his real job is, is a ski instructor. So it's so bizarre, but it's really cool the way, you know, it's a kickball change moment. It's a leap of faith. There it is. Right there, yeah. right there. There it is. Exactly. Yeah, and what exactly. was the exact thing that changed like in in that year? Was there somebody said something to you? Did someone take you under their wing? Like what was it? Yeah. Or just just um, being in New so, York and love and life. So um, I went to school at UC Santa Barbara. I, mean, I was living in Santa Barbara at the time. And Alvin Ailey, uh, Alvin Ailey is one of my heroes. Um, uh, the first modern dance class I took, I saw, watched a documentary about revelations and the best yeah. i remember that moment like like it was happening now like i i can i you know i remember everything about that moment and the the, the one thing that sticks out is that i remember thinking that what they were doing on screen was that they were speaking with their bodies and i remember thinking like what they're doing is what i want to do I didn't know it was like I wanted to do that for my whole life as my career, right. you know, et cetera. But I was just like, that's that's what I want to do. And so I um, to kick off my year off of uh, my year of dancing or my year on yeah, of dancing. That's, I like it. I, on. Um, I auditioned for the Ailey Summer Intensive and I got into the Ailey Summer Intensive. So I graduated, watched um, in my graduation ceremony and literally two or three days was on a plane to New York. So I like to joke, like I arrived in New York with my cap and gown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and at the Ailey school, so I was planning to be at the Ailey school at the Ailey summer intensive for two months. And then I had this grand idea that I was going to go to Brazil and learn Samba and Capoeira, which I don't know. I didn't know anything about, but I, I traveled to Brazil when I was a junior in college. And I was like, just taken away by the culture yeah. and the music and the dancing and 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 uh, the vibrancy of of the culture there. And so I thought, you know, with like my eight hundred dollars in my bank account, that I could like <laughs> relocate to Brazil for a year and learn. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so that was my plan: to be in New York for two two months and then to go to Brazil. And then when I was at the Ailey School, one of my Ailey School um, uh, classmates, Valentina, her and I met like in the locker room. We were like, hi, hello. And she was, she had just moved from uh, California too. So there were like two California girls. I mean, she's originally from Russia, but she lived in California for many, many years. And, and I told her about my plan and she was like, 
they're just nonchalant, no judgment. She was like, well, if you're going to dance for this next year, why don't you stay in New York? This is the dance capital of the world. You can do capoeira and samba here. And up until that moment, I I didn't even think about it. It's not like I was afraid. It's not like I was overwhelmed or like, oh, I couldn't do it in New York. I just didn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even an idea. It wasn't even um, a possibility until she, with words, Mm -hmm. formed the possibility. And so I was taken aback because it seems like such a simple thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here already. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) And so that's that was the moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, why don't I stay here? You know, yeah. and um, yeah. and so I did. I stayed here, and then what turned out to be a year in New York. You know, I was like, "Oh, I'm here. I might as well go to an audition." You know, I go to an audition. Oh, that audition was not good. How can I do better? <laughs> you know, how can yeah, I do yeah. better? Maybe I'll go to another audition, or maybe I'll go to another audition because it's all around us. Yeah, you know? and so that was how I just transitioned to be professional because I would go to auditions and I was like, okay, well, how can I make that audition better? I was like, oh, maybe if I take class before or if I continue, you know, I was always, I I kept training, um, but then it was then tailored to training for, um, to be a professional more. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of how it happened. And then, and then it was like, oh, this would be really fun to just dance for a living. Um, and to create art and to do that. And and probably a, a year is not enough. Right. So why don't we extend it for two years? <laughs> and how did and the parents take it? Oh, why don't we extend it another year? <laughs> oh, now I want to choreograph. So why, right. why do I start a company? Oh, there you go. Now, how did your parents take that, the uh, the extended year on, as you called it, right? Which I absolutely yeah. love. But how did they... Uh, how did they take it when you said, oh, just another year. No, I'm going to start a company. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, <laughs> it's when I came, so I had a round trip ticket from New York, uh, California, New York and back. Um, like I was, you know, I had the plan. I was going to be in New York for two months and then go back. And then I was going to go from home to Brazil, probably. I, I had no plan. <laughs> um, so when I, when I came back, um, I kept my round trip ticket, but it was like a way for me to pack up my stuff. And I definitely got into arguments with both of my parents. Like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And I was just like, I, I don't know. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so can I just cut you short? Cause I know Grace yeah. is gonna, Grace is on that, <laughs> um, on that path where yeah. what if your parents don't back you or what if your parents don't agree with what you're doing? What if you're, you know, that she's on that, Definitely. she's on that. Yeah. yeah. So now her yeah. ears are like perked up to what you, yeah. what you, yeah. So yeah. how did that go? Yeah. So you have to understand that my parents were born and raised in Taiwan and, and they lit and they were, they were born into poverty. Um, my grandparents uh, escaped uh, communist China to go to Taiwan, and my parents were born into nothing because they, they, my grandparents had to leave everything behind. So my parents had to rely on their smarts in order to, mm-hmm. you know, immigrate to, to this country to mm-hmm. get a job, to survive, to have a family, to buy a house, a car, all the things that they thought they were supposed to do, and they worked really hard for a better life for their children, you know, for a better life for their family. So growing up in that with that immigrant mentality, being a life in the arts was like 
it was luxury. That's not that's not what you do. No, you are a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a businesswoman, you know, you, that's not what you do. And so fighting up against like the, that culture, that your culture, is, is, it's culture. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they put me in dance and I was good in dance and we got to go to events and I was like, you know, featured and it was really fun for the whole thing, but they never thought that this was going to be a, a thing. That I <laughs> like your path, life, your career you know? path. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I honestly think that location-wise, I was here in New York and they were, you know, in California really helped me and and I was smart about it. You know, I got a, I quickly got a job in a restaurant and I got a, a work-study gig at Broadway Dance Center, which is where I met Megan. <laughs> and I made sure that I had enough money and I kind of made the commitment to myself to, I know that my parents would be there for me if I needed, you know, um, probably reluctantly. But if I was like, um, I have no food, I'm sure that they would have <laughs> given me money. But I, I made a like a pact with myself to not do that. Not not to think like, oh, I can do it on my own, but to not worry them. Like, that was my one thing. Like if I can give them one thing is to not is for them to not worry about my safety. Yeah, like peace um, of so mind. I got, right. Yeah, and so if I can do one thing for them, that's what what it is, and everything else they're gonna feel uncomfortable with. But it's my life, you know, and and I can't live my parents' <laughs> dreams. I have to live my own life, and I have to make my own mistakes. And I think my mom, I know one of the things she said to me, she's like, "What if you just don't have enough talent?" I was like, "Yeah, maybe not, but I'm just gonna try." You right, know, you have right. to be like. And I failed so many times over the last 15 years. And it's, it's a constant like up and down, you know, and it's, you have to endure those. And I've definitely questioned, I mean, I, I look at my resume, I'm like, oh, wow, I have all these things on my resume that looks, that seems, and they were really um, exciting, you know, at the time, but it's, there's never one gig, there's never one thing on your resume that's going to make it super easy for you mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean even an artist i like to say with my mentees like even beyonce she's still figuring it out she right. still has to do the next gig right. we're all like we're all like gig to gig next thing yep, you right. do a big project and then the, the one thing that people are like oh i i really like that what's next next right so what's, what's next, next? Right. and so what's important is to find is to like find your um the anchor and, and the anchor might change, you know, throughout, throughout that. And then just to keep, keep that consistent. And for me, it was um, my home. I have a really great apartment and I, and that's been my apartment in the last 15 years. I have some great friends and, and they, you know, friends shift um, around, but having like a constant is really important. You know, having like Barra Dance Center was a home for me for so many years. The Ailey School is another home for me. There's different communities that I have been around that are home, you know, even if they move around, it's a home. So finding community and finding what can make you feel at home wherever you're at will help you sustain through the difficult times and help you really thrive through the exciting times. Because sometimes when you get a lot of bookings, it's overwhelming. So, uh, you know, when I was younger, if I got a lot of bookings and it was like overwhelming, I would kind of stick my head in the sand and wait till it all finished. And then afterwards I was like, oh my God, 
had all these gigs and I didn't even enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so learning how to stay present and be grounded so that you can, when, when the gigs come, you can fully experience them. Mm-hmm. And then when they're a little, when your schedule is a little empty, you still have your like constant. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. does that Help, Grace. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That was our question for a couple of guests so far. So you answered it really well. So I think she feels a little bit better right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we would benefit from maybe hearing what was uh, kind of like your mental journey through that point in your life. Like, were there self doubt moments? Were there self questioning moments? Were there, you know, stuff like that? So, what were you thinking throughout all, all of that? Um, so were there self-doubt moments? Yes. And even now, yes. Um, so it's, it's having a, a really strong practice and um, being grounded and, um, and, you know, and I think pushing yourself outside your comfort zone is also important so that it stays exciting. You're continuing to learn and grow. So let's say you have, you know, a series of auditions that are just kind of like not so great. Um, maybe try some, try a different class. You know, if you're if you're a ballet, if you're a ballet dancer mainly, go throw yourself in a hip hop class. Look ridiculous for a little bit. You know, like and then and and then make it so that it's not so serious. I think that I think that's you know we all started dancing not to make it serious because it was fun and. We, we loved it and we had the passion for it. So if you get into like a stuck moment, I would say just kind of like uh, uh, do something a little bit different or even if it's not dance. So if you're in New York City, there's so go, go listen, go to a jazz jazz club, go see something at Lincoln Center, go see something on Broadway, you know, stand in line for a rush ticket, pay like 20 bucks to go see a, an amazing Broadway show. Like try stay creative and stay um, inspired even take one of those double-decker buses and go around new york city because new york is like smelly and and crowded and loud but also has an amazing history yeah yeah (laughs) so true i think too um i'm gonna give it over to gabby or or casey or grace again but i think that the way you're talking is like when you say stay grounded i think what she means as well is you do what makes you feel right. So, and when you have your self doubt and you're there and you're like, but I feel good doing this, even though I might doubt myself that that audition was not so good, but I still feel good Mm -hmm. that this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to make my living as opposed to, well, what would I do? Or is that going to make me happy? Cause I'm making $200,000 a year, but will I be happy? You know what I mean? Like you have to really do what is inside your heart. So I think that's what she means for me when I hear you like with grounded, that's what it, what hits home for me. Like, go ahead. Um, well, if we could maybe like switch gears a little bit, but this is still kind of on the same topic. Um, so I'm actually, I'm thinking of my mom when I asked this question, because she's someone who haven't, hasn't had arts in her life kind of at all. Um, but recently she expressed, she wanted to learn piano. And let, and let me, can I just stop you there? She has three children who are so 
talented. Artistically. Art, art, like mm-hmm. unbelievable singers, Casey's. We don't know where it came from. <laughs> well, maybe it comes probably from your mom. If she starts doing this, all of a sudden your mom's going to be a star and you're like, oh, so it is from my mom, <laughs> you know, but go ahead. Epigenetics right there. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, she, she's expressing some, you know, doubt, you know, she's middle-aged and, you know, starting something in the arts is kind of, you know, out of left field and would be uncomfortable. Uh, so for someone like that, what advice do you have for them who maybe hasn't uh, had the arts in their life, any age really, but wants to start uh, incorporating it a little bit into their life? So like not uh, people who've grown up dancing, you know, not someone like us, maybe like one of our friends who's never, you know, experienced the arts or whatever. Uh, what do you recommend? How do they bring that into their life and what can that do for them? Um. Can you ask the question again? Yeah, sorry, that was that was a loaded one. <laughs> yeah, that was a loaded <laughs> no, question. No, 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 it's great. So, for someone who hasn't had the arts in their life and want to maybe start bringing it in, uh, like, what in your experience, uh, what benefits come from that? And like a beginner that's going to dive in and like get started with the yeah, arts. Yeah, what can they that, expect to yeah. change for the better in their life? Yeah, I mean, it's always, even as a dancer, it's always good to try something new, you know? I think that's a very human quality where, like, humanity always strives to grow and to to do new things. And you, you can, you never know what can blossom out of that. And so that curiosity, that... Um, courage to step outside your comfort zone those are all great things to practice in your daily life curiosity courage um, uh, inquiry uh, and so that in of itself is amazing and that might make her under help her understand something else in her life or help her open doors to something else and so and dances or oh it's music that she that she is pursuing. Yeah, you can talk about dance since that's, you know, mm-hmm. what's in what's in your life and how you've uh, had a relationship with it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that the arts uh, are very healing. You know, they can heal you from past experiences. They can um, heal others experiencing your performance. And so music and dance and and writing and visual arts is all, you know, incredible for any individual, whether you pursue it professionally or not. Um, it will benefit your life because it will it will broaden your perspective. You know, you get you'll be able to see some. It's like learning another language. You know, a language like I'm bilingual. I can speak English and broken Chinese, uh, Mandarin. And so even the way that the language is structured, it's a different perspective. Um, one word in, in Mandarin can mean several different things if you use different, um, if it's positioned in a different sentence. And that to me is incredible because I am very much an English speaker and I try very hard to do to speak in Mandarin. And so I can dissect it a little bit more and kind of look at it from the outside perspective. And so even just understanding the world and yourself from a different perspective will will most 100% um, 
fuel your your life. So she should do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. She should Thank do you. it. Yeah. And so, Jessica, so you were honored as a keynote speaker at Cornell University's uh, the 2011, the celebration of Asian American women for your work with empowering women and leadership. So, um, you know, your presentation and, and you've done um, some TEDx talks, which is fantastic of if I can dance it, then it's possible. So really infusing that, you know, I what what do you feel your mission continuing on with with our our younger listeners and our co-hosts here um you know what would be you know a good way to just remind them to feel empowered and and to branch into expanding into the community you know not just in the dance world but in the arts in the piano in the singing and you know it's a good question <laughs> um so when i was young um, I, when like little, like uh, 10 years old, about 11, 12, I would have been very happy if I was just completely mute and nobody asked me to speak at all. Like I, <laughs> like my worst fear was in classroom when I was called on to read, you know, not that I couldn't read, but I was just like, sweaty palms like, getting read. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and I just, I was afraid of talking for some reason. Like I hated it. And so that's why I love dance because I got to express myself and be like comfortable with myself without talking. So the fact that I have made presentations or that I'm even here interviewing <laughs> in the podcast is just beyond what my 10 year old self would have thought that I would, I would do. So what I will say is that you, you know, what's that beautiful saying? I love it. It's so cliche, but it's so right on that you fail at 100% of the things that you don't try at. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't know what you don't know, you know, and you, and you don't know if you can see that as something unless you try. And as um, you know, my company, JTEM Project, is a 501c C3 um, nonprofit organization. And we survive on donations and, and donations from patrons as well as grants. And so um, early on in my career, I'm early on in, in having the company, I had applied for maybe five, not even a lot, maybe five grants in a row and got like, no, 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 no. And then made a made made um, a, a statement in my head like you know what maybe I just don't need grants I can figure out another way to have a company. <laughs> and then years later it was like what am I thinking this is how like okay maybe I can also find another way but why turn down why not even try to get grants mm -hmm. like there were several years where I didn't even try. Um, and so over the last like four or five years, I've been making more of an effort to try. And then a couple of years ago, I, I um, heard about an artist. She's a visual artist and, and she counts the number of rejections she gets a year and she celebrates the rejections because oh. if you have 20 rejections in one calendar year, that means that you've put yourself out there for at least 20 times. I love it. It's a good way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yes, to like great. count. The script. And, and so I, um, it's one of the things on my to-do list <laughs> is to make a little doc of all the things that I've applied for this year um, and tried out for this year because of all the rejections, that means that all of those were, were times that you put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. You have to put yourself out there. And if you apply for 30 things and you get 29 rejections, you might get one yes. Mm -hmm. 
And if you apply for zero things, you will get zero yeses. That is for sure. Right. 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 What we can do is, um, and I love how she flips that, you know, because being an artist, it is very much so uh, a numbers game, you know, and it is very much a lot of rejection, (laughs) a lot of rejection, no matter where you are in your career. Right. Um, And so having a way to kind of not forget about it, you know, because it's part of the process, but learn from it. And and, and then even if there's nothing to be learned from in that moment, just be like, well, I tried. And like celebrate yourself for trying, you know, every audition you go on, everything that you apply for, give yourself credit for, for putting yourself out there because that is what on average, uh, uh, like, like non-artists, non-pers- non-art pursuing folks don't do on an right. average, like day to day, week to week, year to year basis. So that in of itself makes all of us heroes. Right. Fall out of a double turn. Try it again. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe the next time it'll be three turns. Right. No, the tenacity too that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good one. But yeah. To endure. Yes. Endure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Gabs. You got a question? I know you had some questions. Um, so on that spectrum, being a female in this type of community, would you say that there was any struggles with just being a female or in, in an artistic community, even like with your parents, like they maybe weren't so thrilled that you were going into dance or an art-based job. So was there anything that was maybe like geared towards the fact that you were a female? It's like like disgrading in a way or discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we live in a misogynistic Mm -hmm. society, you know, and, uh, and we live in a society where women are not valued as, as much as men and, and women are vulnerable and attacked. You know, that's what the me too campaign really showed us. Um, Strong women, successful women you know me too like it 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 happens to all of us um and not all of us you know but it happens to so many um it's very unfortunate and so that is that is a fact um but i will say that generations um ahead of me and my generation have been etching away at this and there is now more support and more dialogue and more community within um you know amongst women and then in support of women so yes it is harder to be a a female in this industry and there's there's as a dancer there's more death there's more female dancers and 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 not as in in compared to male dancers first of all you know so numbers wise we have more to compete with. And then as a director, as somebody of, um, you know, I'm a commercial theater choreographer. I'm in the stage directors and choreographers union and I freelance as a theater choreographer. And if you look at Broadway, there are not very many female directors. There are more now though. There are more now. And there's so the, the generation growing up, I think, um, you all should be very proud to be female in this time because of 
of what has of the work that has been put into to make it make it more equitable, make it easier, make it more supportive to be a woman so that you have now um, language, you have now a community behind you. So if somebody does something um, and it's out of line, you, you know when it's wrong, you know, because sometimes like you didn't, you don't know it's wrong. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So now there's more conversations around that. So, um, and there's a lot more support of, you know, for, for uh, female artists, female directors, female dancers. So it's, it's not, it's not, it's not um, perfect and it's not completely equitable even now, but it is much, much better. And we are living in a changing time Mm -hmm. and it's really exciting. So I think that, it's still it's still a, a conversation to be had. It's not doesn't mean that it's just going to be like super easy, um, because there's been like systems that have been created to really um, make it harder. And yeah, the way I mean, for me in my personal, Megan asked about you know how I um, what do I create and stuff over the last many like for several years, I have been very. Um, focused on you know how we treat women how we speak to women and how we treat women um like i'm in a long-term relationship we've been together three or four years and i i can't count on the number like on my hands how many times people are like oh so when are you guys getting married yeah or when are you having children or this and that and that and that and oh you better start having children soon because la 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 and it's just like the things and the, the the rules that we put on women um, are, are can be very um, debilitating, and 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 they're not meant to. Sometimes mm-hmm. there can be ignorant comments, you know. But it is, and so I'm I'm I always think I think about it a lot, you know, how we treat women, how we speak to women, and if it's our society that that um, dictates that a man gets down on one knee and presents a. a, a a diamond for the woman to say yes then why is the woman being asked when are they getting married (laughs) you know because like wait that's not even the rules that we made in society and really like there i think there's a different question you know like oh um you this seems like a like how you know i don't know there's a different question there's a different way to say it and if there's more consciousness around how we speak to each other then um i think that that's as a society that's growth yeah, totally agree. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and uh, I know Gabby, you were really uh, interested in. Um, so speaking of uh, speaking of volumes, right? And and so this past year obviously has changed a lot. Um, and I know Jessica, Gabby was just um, in awe, and I, as I know these girls were too. But her and I were having conversations about um, you know the recent piece that you created uh, with everybody being apart from each other. What was that oh, yeah. like? How, how, let's talk about that, about that artistic and creative journey to, to bring people together. I mean, um, in, in a time when, when we had to be a part and, and being that you were supporting on the dance and using dance as a way of healing and for your dancers and how you presented that. So I know, um, yeah, let's hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we did two works that, uh, were, we did two works, um, and the first one was Dancing from a Distance, 
Um, I think it was around this time last year. Maybe, maybe if, yeah, maybe in April. I can't remember. Um, but I was yearning to create. And so I reached out to my dancers, past, present, and future, <laughs> like my mentees <laughs> and my current dancers and then dancers that, I've, that I worked with in the past. And I said like, hey, you know, I don't know where everybody's at, but I have this idea. And basically it's a piece called Dancing from a Distance and it like one dancer moved. I, and, and I made it really simple. I was like, let's do like improv. And I gave them shapes that they would start and end on. And so it, it looks like one whole dance piece and one, one person, like mm -hmm. the shape that that one dancer finishes with is what the next dancer picks up from. Mm -hmm. And so it was super fun. And I got to use dancers from like, dancers were like all over, like Miami, Trinidad, Tobago. One of my dancers like, you know, lives there now, San Francisco, LA, um, everywhere. So that was like super fun to feel us all connected and unified in that way. And then I edited the video um, and, 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 and uh, launched it and I was like, wow, that was like the first moment in quarantine that I created and I was an artist and I was mm -hmm. like, that felt really good to create something and put it and share it with the world. Yeah. Like this was not, a, this was not anything before and now it's something, I created something mm -hmm. and I shared it with the world. And I remember thinking like, oh, right, that's what you do. <laughs> I remember, you know, like I was stuck at home trying to learn how to make bread and kombucha. And I was like, wait, like, no, that's what you do, yeah. you know, and, and, and to hold on to that. Because I didn't know, I, you know, I was pretty like, I, put, I, I really kind of um, uh, accepted the moment, you know, in March when everything shut down. I was like, okay, this is the moment. I'm not going to push anything. I know other companies did rehearsals outdoors and this and that and that. And I, I was like, no, let's lean into this moment, lean into this pause. And so, but that moment when I created that was really important because uh, I think if you, if you don't train that creative mind, it gets a little harder to jumpstart it. Um, and then, so then the follow-up was that, and then, and then I did that and I was like, oh, great. And then I'm like, when am I going to get inspiration again? And it was like a week later. I was like, oh my God, I have an idea. And of course, line, of course, is my favorite, it's my favorite musical. I'm a musical theater choreographer now. Um, and I, it's my dream to choreograph a course line. And, um, so I was like, why don't I start now? And I, cause I've been on a lot of Zooms. And so, you know, all the little boxes. And I was like, I, I could chore choreograph like the beginning scene of a course line, right? Like everybody in the yeah. audience rushing to New York City. And then there's this like wave of people dancing. I was like, we could do that on Zoom. And I was like, I need 25 dancers. Because it's all, that's <laughs> yep. a, the maximum of the Zoom boxes before you get to the next page. And so I, I choreographed that beginning scene and we, and I taught it to them, the dancers in like an hour and a half and I recorded the meeting and then I had them each report themselves um, to do it. And it was super fun. And um, it's really good. I watched it. I wanted to like, and I wanted, oh, oh also um, it was also after a friend of mine, Chris Mann, who is like blew up in quarantine. I mean, he was on The Voice. He was Phantom and Phantom of the Opera um, on tour for like three years, two years, three years. And he's a phenomenal singer. I knew him when he was living in New York and him and his wife um, 
it, we were working in a restaurant together and, and they met at that restaurant and they, you know, got married years later and moved to LA. And so Chris, I've, I followed his career, you know, I, I'm really good friends with um, both Chris and Laura and I followed his career and he's had really big successes. And even, you know, he was on The Voice, Christina Aguilera was his coach. He, I think, was on one of her CDs at some point. But I've also, because I know them personally, know, understand, and I know as an artist, you have like ups and downs. And so Chris made this really funny like Corona video, like right off the bat, he just reported, he like went to the grocery store, was like upset there was no toilet paper. Like he just had a moment, <laughs> came home and like angry wrote <laughs> musical parody. And then he started creating more musical parodies and they were hilarious. Like he has one like a music parody of Adele, like hello from the inside. It's hilarious. He has an we have magic, to check it out. Black pride. And so in my head, I was like watching all of these and seeing him blow up. I mean, they were calling him like the weird owl of, of, of quarantine. Oh. And, um, and he did everything, you know, it was like this time where, cause all of artists are set home. So it's based on our, are just our raw talents and creativity and imagination, right? He filmed everything with like, I mean, they have some nice like camera probably because Laura's the actress, but it's nothing like studio produced. Right. He did this all from home, like from just raw intuition, like just talent. Uh, so I was watching that and I was like, oh, what if there's a dance parody? I want to make a dance parody. So I made that a chorus line thing as like a dance parody. And I had them just be like, I had each dancer film like B-roll, like, you know, the frustration of being at audition. You messed up. You're like, oh, and, or like shake it off. Let's do it from the top. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So they were fun and they kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been really refreshing and kind of like the moment you've been waiting for I, I don't know about you but in quarantine it was very like low and you know nothing was changing so I imagine having something to work on like that was really refreshing yeah, yeah. and I live on 9th Avenue which is a really busy street in New York and it was quiet there was no cars there was nobody outside it was so weird um, and then the third video I did so I did those two really fun ones really quick kind of like knocked them out um quickly and and then I and then you know um a couple months passed and I was like I really want to work on something nuanced so I took one of my pieces um that I was working on um the last year and I actually wanted to make this piece into an ensemble work which I wasn't able to um you know because of COVID <laughs> and so I took it and it's um uh, it's like a it's a Chinese folk dance that I took and I kind of um, brought it into my into the, my contemporary um, twist, and it's a soloist who she wear she wears a hat that covers her face, and then she takes off the hat. And so I had this vision of of working on that piece again, and we rehearsed on on my roof, and we filmed all over the city. So I had, and especially this time where there was also a big rise in. Um, anti-Asian xenophobia sentiments. Um, I wanted, I wanted to take space, you know. So we went around New York, Brooklyn Bridge, Times Square, Rockefeller Center, Central Park, and I filmed her in this space, and we um, cut it so it looks like she's dancing throughout New York. Oh, that's um, yeah, that was beautiful. Can you remind me of the title? But that's, because uh, it's called "I Can Almost I Can Almost See You." 
And I started the piece in 2018. And actually, it was actually, I started it um, thinking about women and how, you know, to be seen. And and the, the actual Chinese folk dance, they never take off the hat. And, you know, back in the old emperor days, it was, uh, it was like an offering to the emperor. And, like, women were not supposed to show their face, like, blah, blah, blah. So, and it was like just highlighting the curves of like the female body, which I think is gorgeous. You know, I think the, the female body is beautiful. So I want to highlight that and to honor that, but then for her to take off the hat mm-hmm. and for us to see her and then for her to like, to, she plays with the hat, she tosses it up and dances with it because there's something about having that mask. And now that we're like, starting to unmask it's a it's a safety thing too so to be seen is also kind of scary it's not just like okay see me i want it you know it's mm-hmm. like it, i mean i was very shy growing up so it was like i i i um struggle with this as an artist the visibility when i get too much i kind of shy away and <laughs> I'm like, what? That is so counterproductive to your career. <laughs> so figure it out and suck it up. So I, that's what I'm working on right now. But it is true. Like it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's, it's a little, especially as a woman, you know, like you can get attacked or whatever, whatever it is. There's so many other reasons why we, we want to just uh, slide on by and not be seen but it's important visibility is important and as an artist as a human being as a woman um so yeah i can almost see you yeah it was okay. beautiful yeah, it was i don't so think i watched that one i, I might have watched yeah, yeah i don't remember watching that one that sounds awesome it was, it was pretty scary to see like no one in the background i think were Nobody. you in Times square and it was pretty much yeah, empty you know empty. i'm it sure that's crazy. So <laughs> august we filmed it in august or september so new york was starting to open up a little bit um so there were some people like you can see somebody run um if I had done it this time last year, it would have been nobody in the mm-hmm. street. But there, but it was still very empty. Mm-hmm. Um, like Times Square was like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just wow. birds. The birds were chirping yep. and you actually heard yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. they were yeah. coming back. Wow, it's like almost, it's time to go. I could have talked to you forever. I know, yeah. Jessica. So we're going to be wrapping it up. Um, do you have any last words of advice, suggestions for our listeners, our co-hosts, or anyone that's looking to um, enter into the world of arts, questioning themselves, vulnerability, uh, women in the arts? Um, you know, you've done so much with the Asian American culture and just really empowering women, uh, especially with your global studies, you know, not just, um, you know, Asian Americans, all women and just really entertaining that. So uh, we commend you. We thank you for the voice and and being vulnerable and expressing that and opening yourself up to to that vulnerability, because as an artist, you, you have to open up and be vulnerable to be seen. Um, so we thank you for being seen and being heard. And if there's any words of suggestions, advice that you can leave our, our, our co-hosts and the listeners, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, like I said earlier, stay grounded, you know, find what, what, what inspires you and hold on to that and keep searching for those inspirations. Um, that's 
one thing. It's just in yourself. Like, you know, take time to like reflect, take time to have an artist state, walk around wherever you are. It doesn't have to be New York, wherever you are, take time to be in the moment and be present. Um, because as an artist, in order to to create, you need to ha- you need to have your own space. You need to have head space. Um, so if you do get really busy with other work, just ha- make some time for yourself. So take care of yourself. Make some time for yourself. Have an artist date. And then number two, um, seek out mentors. You know, even if you don't connect with them exactly. There's YouTube and Google and Instagram and find some of those like art art heroes of yours and follow them. Read up on their background and what they've done, how their journey is. Um, right now, we're living in a more transparent world than ever. You know, in the past, the the these stories, these uh, coming of age stories were not as readily available as they are now. So go find some and and as especially as a young artist, you don't you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So go and see all the other things that inspire you and the people that inspire you and get to know how they got to where they are getting to or, or how they got to where they are. Um, and then the last thing of advice is it's like a good news. It's like a good news and bad news at the same time. Is to understand that like nobody makes it mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world the way that we think making it is. Um, I think I said this before. It's like so. Let go of that expectation of what success is supposed to look like, and focus more on on the things that inspire you and the things that and the people that you want to support and the in the in the projects that feed you. Um, because the idea of like making it makes us uh, search for that one thing. And there's no one thing. There's no one big opportunity. And that's what I mean by making it. Um, if I could be a successful, happy artist, uh, that's make, you know, and have it sustainable, then that's, that's making it. But it's, it's constantly like, you know, you get, you are in this career because you are open to growing. So it's a, you're always going to be growing. Um, so you'll never be, uh, like, okay, I could just sit back and just relax. You have, you have to just keep like pushing and, um, and yeah, in, in, in just going with like, with, um, like your inspiration and, and what, what calls, what calls you. I love it. I like that. I love it. And and we will leave the listeners with, you know, you quoted earlier, lean into the moment. And I think that's very yeah. important um, for especially all of our listeners. With especially with social media, when you're, you're not really in the moment. No, you're <laughs> reflecting of, of other people's moments. So it's right. about leaning into your own personal moments. So yes. um, Jessica Chen with the J Chen Project, thank you so, so much. The beautiful and ever talented. Um, thank you for joining the Kickball Change podcast. And uh, we look forward to, again, interviewing you soon. There's still so much that we need to just unravel and talk about. So be prepared for episode two. (laughs) I have one more. I have one more. Can I give one more? Yes, give it all. (laughs) judge yourself. Don't judge yourself. Like, try to not judge yourself, like, with 
oh, I didn't get that. Oh, I could be better. Oh, da 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 da. Like, be easy on yourself. <laughs> celebrate your yourself. Celebrate, celebrate yourself. Celebrate. The, celebrate the the losses. Right? How yeah. how you said yeah. earlier. Celebrate. You fell out of the double turn. Go in it again. Yeah. Just. Take, take a again. note. Go in it again. I love it. Celebration. In for three next time. Exactly. Aim higher. All right. Well, Jessica, again, thank you so much, listeners. Thanks for joining us at the Kickball Change Podcast, and we'll be uh, tuning in soon. Have a good one.